What's going on, Giants fans? Welcome back to another week of Big Blue Avenue. It is week six, and the Giants only have one win on the season. What's going on, everybody? My name is Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Sam Cardona, the girl who talks sports. Sam, how are you feeling tonight after an abysmal week five? But I will say a slightly better performance than the week prior. Couldn't go up from that week four Monday night game. Yeah, I feel like every time we watch that intro through, I think, why aren't we doing the things in that intro video (laughs) on the field anymore? Um, It was, uh, yeah, not a great, not a great game. Really not. Um, But obviously, it was lots of injuries going on, lots of crazy stuff we're going to get into. But yeah, one one win on the uh, on the year and it was to the Arizona Cardinals. Not great. Not great at all. And folks, before we jump into our key takeaways from week five, as you can see on our ticker below, follow us on Big Blue Avenue on all of our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Catch our week five recap uh, if you can't stay tuned for the whole show tonight. And we will have a special guest on later, Buffalo Bills content creator, Cover One's very own Greg Thompson, making his third appearance on the show. So very excited to have him on um, but Sam, I have to ask you, the Giants were in this game for quite some time, but once again, the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed with the explosive plays and Daniel Jones keeps getting, might as well do run and duck drills every week in practice. The, the guy can't stand up straight and the offensive line this time officially gets him injured Nary, not the same neck injury as two years ago, but is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it both? I mean, it's just the same problems every single week. Yeah, I think that it also has to do with the fact that with all these injuries, I feel like in the back of their brains, they're like, oh, yeah, like there's no way we can win this game with this team. And then that's how they go into the game. And then that's the outcome that comes out of it. Um, And you know, I don't want to keep blaming injuries, but they are a huge factor on this team. And now with Daniel getting hurt on his neck, which is not ideal, you know, we're we're really struggling here. And I thought this game was going to be much bigger blowout. I was expecting at least 40 points from the Dolphins and us to have maybe two touchdowns, you know, if that. So I I'm I, I don't want to say I'm happy with the outcome because I'm not, but I guess I'm satisfied with the fact that it wasn't as bad as we anticipated it to be but yeah same every week and like nothing seems to get better I'm sure it's just a combination of everything you know coaching players like it just there's something wrong with this organization that like cannot get back on track after like 2012 well put it's exactly what I was gonna say um very well put you know and I have to say too Eric Gray finally got some carries in the backfield. Uh, It took them long enough. Uh, As much as, you know, I like Gary Brightwell on special teams, uh, he sucks as a running back. (laughs) Um, Giants finally score first-half touchdown, even though it was on defense. (laughs) Thank you, Jason Pinnock. The defense did force three turnovers. So Tua is – human i mean Tua had some bad throws in this game too i mean he wasn't too great himself um i think jones at the end of it was higher rated than Tua, but of course jones 
numbers don't even compare based off of the teams. Yeah. I thought the defense, they need to clean up these big plays. They're good, but the explosive plays kill them and make them not good. I don't know what the method is to stopping that. Um, it's bad. It's very bad. And it's sad, too, you know, because Kayvon's playing his heart out out there. I think that, I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like people will say everything they want about Daniel Jones, but, like, Daniel Jones is doing his best with what he's been given over not even just this year, but over all of the years that he's basically been a giant. And the defense is doing everything they can. I mean, the defense is putting points on the board. Like, the defense is doing what they need to do to try and help the offense win the game. But the offense is so decrepit and so not well put together that it's like everything the defense is doing is, like, not even worth it. So that's what sucks about it. It's like you see the heart of, like, Kayvon and, you know, pick six from Jason Pinnock and things like that that you're like, there's that little bit of hope. And then the offense gets on the field and you're like, I can't see them, you know, and and there's times I think I can't remember if it happened in this game, but definitely last week, like there were times where they were converting on third down and, and like getting back on the field and they just didn't capitalize on it. And that's just like so frustrating. It's like you're given all these opportunities and you're, you're not getting the points on the board. And that's part of the reason why you're not winning games. It's like you don't capitalize on those moments. And that's what's really frustrating. Yep. Uh, Pinnock with the pick six, as you mentioned, big play you think would turn the momentum. Did not. Uh, Jones leaves the game with a neck injury. Tyrod Taylor got banged up as well. doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. There's no protection. Yeah. Um, This is how sad it is. Mark Lewinsky was the highest graded offensive lineman this week for the Giants. Out of all the offensive linemen that played, that includes Josh Azudu, Evan Neal, Matt Parrott, Jalen Mayfield, and Marcus McKeithen. Horrendous. Horrendous. You were 5 for 17 on third down. How the hell does Wandale have five catches for 19 yards? And these are short routes. you think the linemen would get out and block for them. Uh, not to mention they couldn't run the ball either. They got outrushed 222 to 85 atrocious performance all across the board and you know what's crazy in this game sam the giants won the turnover battle three to nothing and held the ball for 36 minutes that's what i'm saying though like they have these opportunities and they just don't capitalize on them and that's the struggle but like the fact that mark Lewinsky, which two weeks ago we were talking about how it would be okay if he wasn't even on the team anymore being your highest rated offensive lineman that's a huge problem like a huge problem and I just I don't even know the solution to fix it it's not just like Justin Pugh can't fix the entire team (laughs) you know what I mean he might play this week uh we'll see he's going from that from that injury there's a chance he might play um let's talk about the presence on the second level of Bobby Okereke and Isaiah Simmons I thought they were Pretty good, especially Bobby O had a really solid game. Micah McFadden out with the ankle injury, did not play. Um, you know, some players got benched this week. I mean, we saw an offense. Paris Campbell got benched. Trey Hawkins got benched. Um, the linebacking core seems to be the most consistent unit on the defense. They're, 
I think they're doing their, their job um, more often than not. So I was impressed. It's just, it just leads me to believe that how well these players are coached. Dable and the coaching staff might not be able to overcome shortcomings this year like they did last year. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about it with last like, Oh, the Giants had Jalen Smith starting on defense. I, I will talk about it when like we talk about the transactions and stuff, but like I genuinely feel like Cole Beasley needs to be on the field. Like that guy's a playmaker. We've seen it happen. Yeah. Not only in Buffalo, we saw it happen in Dallas. Like he is a Julian Edelman type of wide receiver that will cross over the middle and take that hit, but like, but will make the play. And like that's what we need. We need a. It's so crazy to say like a star wide receiver is Cole Beasley, but like he could be that for us. Like he could be the it guy on offense, yeah. which is crazy to think about because we just drafted Jalen Hyatt and Wandale Robinson last year, and like why are we giving them the ball? Where, where why, like, why isn't that happening? Oh, I, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, comments here. Vincent saying hello. Defense playing better than the offense. Yep, offense is just not putting the points up. It's just not happening. Yeah, I guess the the sirens in front of my house are chasing after the Giants' offensive coordinator, <laughs> Mike Kafka. <laughs> Trying to get him out of town, Sam. Um, Honestly, I'm okay with it. He's, uh, I mean, the offensive line stinks. Paris Campbell was an, either an awful signing or he's just not getting coached well, a combination of both, I think. There's not enough of Jalen Hyatt. You traded up to get him in the third round. Where is he? Are you not able to use him because the offensive line can't set up the big play? If you only drafted him for the big play, then why trade up for him in the third round? Right. You can't set up the big play on this team. And Darren Waller. Like, where's Darren Waller? We had him on the key. He, he's a major playmaker. Like, why isn't this? Like, I mean, I know that they, they usually double coverage him, and it's tough to get him the ball. But, like, we got we to gotta figure this out. We got to figure it out because I want to see Darren Waller in the red zone. And we haven't. Like, we've seen Matt Breida in the end zone. Why don't we have Jalen Hyatt yeah. and Darren Waller there? That's it's it's ridiculous. It is, but um, I will say there are better things to come. You know, the Giants have made some moves. We'll talk about those in just a few moments. But if the Giants are going to do better next week, they must not give up 500 yards of offense again. They gave up 524 this past week. Eli Apple looked like a stud out there, which is horrible to say. Um, Devin Achant, the Giants couldn't stop the run. Devin Achant, 76-yard touchdown run. I know he's hurt now on the short-term IR. They couldn't stop him. It was really bad. It was really, really bad. But I think one thing to take away from this game, Sam, is what we mentioned before with the linebacking core, which leads us to our New York Giants uh, player of the week. And this week we decided to go with a new face, Bobby O. Bobby O. Karake. Yeah, I mean, defense was definitely going to be a player of the week this week. They, they were the ones that showed up. So uh, at Miami, he had 10 tackles, 
two pass deflected, and an interception. Um, and in the last three games, 29 tackles, four run stuffed, three pass deflections, and one interception. Um, he leads the team with 42 tackles, which is great. You know, Bobbio is filling in that spot that Blake Martinez left behind, which, you know, it's like the space in my heart that's missing. Um, and he played 100% of the defensive snaps this season. And he signed that four-year, $40 million contract in the offseason, which seems like this is the actually the one thing we're getting our money's worth right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's playing great. I'm excited for him. Nice pick. Making Mike McFadden and Isaiah Simmons move and look better. And uh, this th- this meme was really funny. Not a meme, but a photo that was taken at a press conference of Daniel Jones. Sam, he's literally turning into Eli Manning. I know Daniel Jones and Eli are nothing alike, but looks-wise, <laughs> personality-wise, ladies and gentlemen, this is the state of the New York Giants. <laughs> This is the state of the New York Giants right now, Sam. Take me to, through this photo. What is Daniel Jones thinking? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, he doesn't own a comb, apparently. Or he just got out of the shower, didn't think to brush his hair before going out into the media. Going with the growl fit, the full grays, um, which is just dreary and just horrific and not not the best look to be doing right now. And, I mean, the face says it all. I know that's his face for everything, but, <laughs> like, it's very obvious he's super he's distraught he's frustrated he's trying to figure out what to do with this team because he knows it all comes back to him at the end even if he isn't the sole issue but like man that is literally how i feel on the inside of my body right now yeah that's the new york giants for you right there um awful stuff but Let's move on to week six because we've had enough of week five. I know we say that every week, but there's a lot to talk about, and we have some transactions for the folks. Uh, First and foremost, the Giants have activated wide receiver Cole Beasley to the active practice squad. Um, Really need him this week. I think he would be a great add. And the Giants also signed offensive lineman Yadni Kajust to the practice squad as well. We'll break down both these players in just a moment. So the Giants do add some offensive line help. They terminate the contracts of wide receiver Cam Sims and DB Amani Arawarie. Also, the Giants worked out free agent tackle Lael Collins earlier. Let's talk about Cole Beasley first, Sam. I know you like Cole, former Bill, knows the scheme, Knows the system. Glad he's activated. They need him. He looked good in that one preseason game. And I think he could really help out Daniel Jones, having a veteran receiver. Not like a Slayton, but a real veteran like a Cole Beasley. I think that's what the Giants are missing. A hundred percent. I I again I've talked about him in the past, how even when he was with Dallas, I I enjoyed Cole Beasley. I think he's very good at what he does. I think he's he came in for the he came out of retirement to play for the bills he showed up even with that wide receiver core with Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs like there are things that he's just made for and it's going long and cutting to the middle and like that's what he's good at and that's what we need because we're we're just you can't keep going to the outside 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 like eventually you need to change it up at some point so 
I would love to see Cole Beasley. I would love to see him, especially in this upcoming game. Um, you know, revenge game against the Bills. This is a big game for the Giants staff um, and some of the players. Uh, so it would just plus, you know, I, I was really hoping they would take this game at a prime time, but maybe putting Cole Beasley in is going to make it just a little bit more manageable, a little bit more exciting. Even if there's not a win there, like we just need a game, like just give us a game because people are just, we are such, we're so exposed in prime time and people can see all of our flaws and it's horrific. Like I just, I, I, I can't take it anymore, but here we are going into Sunday night football again for the fourth time this year. Yep, fourth primetime game in six weeks to start the season. Giants add another offensive lineman, Yadni Kajust. Hope I'm saying that correct. The former third-round pick back in 2019. Um, he played in the Senior Bowl with Daniel Jones that year. Uh, five career. He was waived by the Jets this past summer with a 65.7 PFF grade last year, which is, I'd say, a time and a half better than any Giants offensive lineman right now. So we'll see if he can do something. Um, I'm here for it. It seems every offensive lineman that comes here, it doesn't matter. They just flop. I mean, John Feliciano was the highest rated pass blocking guard in the NFL last week. Granted, he's on the 49ers playing next to Trent Williams. But but nonetheless, he was playing next to Andrew Thomas last year. And not to compare Andrew Thomas and Trent Williams, but like, it's a better coaching staff, I think. I think that I think that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. Um, now let's move on to the game itself. And in a few minutes, folks, we'll have our guest of the evening, Greg Thompson, on from Cover One. We'll have him on in just a moment. Um, he just gave us the thumbs up. Uh, third time guest, by the way. The one and four Giants taking on the three and two Bills week six Sunday night football. The lights are bright. Um, Giants will be wearing their white color rush with the throwback helmets. And the Bills will be wearing their red color rush jerseys favored by 14 points. Sam, this jersey matchup is going to be fire. I was going to say, we got to get Fonz on the phone. Get Fonz on the phone. He needs to tell us. I mean, those white jerseys are stunning. I love those white color rushes. They are. They are. Um, all-time series is tied 7-7. to Giants have won three of the last four matchups. Again, they only play once every four years, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't get excited here at all. Um, the Bills did beat the Giants in their last meeting back in 2019. Fun fact, folks, if you Giants historians out there watching, the Bills have not beaten the Giants at home since October 3rd, 1993. I was not alive yet. Neither was I. <laughs> this this, this Which we is weren't crazy even a thought say, in anybody's brain yet. Um, no, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, but I will say, you know, homecoming, Brian Dable, Joe Shane going up against Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. You know, they're they're coaches, they're mentors, and now. You know, the Giants going up against the fourth-ranked offense in the, in the NFL, a team that averages nearly 32 points per game, um, and they still have the 14th-ranked defense despite losing guys like Matt Milano and Daquan Jones. And the Bills just signed former linebacker of the Giants briefly. He was here for a cup of coffee. A.J. Klein 
to their 53-man roster. Um, Sam, any thoughts about the Bills before we bring up Greg? Any anything you want to get out to the fans before we get into our interview? I mean, I I mean, you guys see it. I got two pennants up here. I got Giants and I got Bills. They're two red, white, and blue New York teams that carry me through the year. One NFC, one AFC. I like the thing is that I'm I'm going to be rooting for the Giants, of course, this weekend, but. The Bills are not – while they are vulnerable this year, they are still not to be dealt with. I mean, they are an incredibly good team, you know, a playoff-bound team for sure. Not sure about the Super Bowl. We'll see how Josh handles the playoffs this year. But, I mean, their vulnerability right now is their defense. There's a lot of people, a lot of people missing. So, I, it's, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm, but I'm excited to hear from Greg uh, – uh, a Bills, a Bills fan here, so I'm mm-hmm. excited. I think the most important one missing is Leslie Frazier. But uh, without further ado, let's bring up our guest, co-host of Cover One, Greg Tomset. Greg, welcome back. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, I, I appreciate the duality there of uh, both the, the Giants and the Bills. We'll take it. We'll take it. And uh, it, we joke, obviously, when the Bills first came um, with this regime, there was a pipeline from Carolina because you had Sean McDermott and um, you know Brandon Bean and bringing different folks with, whether it's players they knew position coaches, everything like that. And that pipeline has just turned, and now we have like buffalo east rutherford chapter um and like that's growing that direction so um it's fun to see uh it's nice for the first time in my adult life to have a team with enough success that people want to steal from it that's a new (laughs) that's a new experience uh that's a foreign concept to most of us but it's exciting to see and i I will say honestly i think most bills fans kind of root for the giants because we like table. We like Shane. We like a lot of the players that went over there. There's not a direct, you know, impact back and forth other than playing once every four years or, you know, God forbid it was the Super Bowl. Um, there just isn't all that much back and forth. So it's kind of fun to have a team where we have, you know, almost a dozen players that have uh, experience from there and in a coaching staff and uh, group that's there. So it's kind of fun. And, and although, you know, this weekend isn't, probably the matchup it could have been if everybody was was healthy everywhere um it's still something we're looking forward to awesome um well let's get started here greg basic general first question where can people find you and your content tell the folks a little bit about yourself who are unfamiliar with you and cover one Absolutely. So uh, you can find me at Greg Thompson on all the social media platforms. But normally I spend an obsessive amount of time on on Twitter. You can find all of our work over on YouTube. If you just search for uh, cover one, we do a lot of the uh, kind of film breakdown side of things, the all 22 side of things. I do a lot of the salary cap analysis and roster construction side of things. And then during draft time, we do uh, provide kind of across the board uh, info. I do a uh, kind of Greg Thompson sports show that goes across the league with recaps of everything. We do uh, fantasy and, and betting analysis. So although a lot of our content is bill specific, we actually have a lot of other stuff too that gets into the draft fantasy and all the other parts of uh, the fun of football. Love that. Awesome. Love that. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, I, I do have my duality here, you know, with Giants and Bills. I, I've been to Highmark. I've got. I went to a Bills game nice. last year. It was 
one of the best football games I've been to. Um, and I know constantly every single year I have said the Bills are making it to the Super Bowl, like every single year. And I think this is one of the first years that I'm like a little bit iffy about everything. Where where are you feeling right now in terms of the Bills Super Bowl window? Are they going to make it? Do you, are you not feeling it? You know, what, what's the vibe? So I, I think one of the things – Obviously, there's a great deal of anxiety because Bills fans feel the exact same way that you have. We realize there's been a lot of really good opportunities. Um, you know, that season with a 13 second game, you know, I, I'm very comfortable saying they were the best team in football. I, I think they would have beat the Bengals. I think they would have beat the Rams, but it didn't. You know, and when you don't capitalize on those opportunities, it's easy to second guess and wonder, be like, oh man, are, are we going to get a chance to go back? And you had those moments. Um, I'll put, you know, Peyton Manning had a lot of those moments with the Colts over the years before it finally happened. And a lot of them asked, like, are we just going to be a fun, exciting, good regular season team? Is it ever going to happen? Um, so, I one, I think that concern and anxiety is fair. There have been opportunities that we probably should have capitalized on. But in that same example that I gave, as long as we have 17, I feel like we got a shot. And as long as Josh Allen is the quarterback of my team and healthy, we got a shot. And, uh, you know, obviously there's been some some killer injuries the last little bit. So I'd be lying if I said that we have the same ceiling defensively as we did before we lost three all-pro players within eight days. Um, but, you know, the offense is still intact. It's still Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. And we just got back Von Miller. Um, so there's still plenty to be excited about, even if there is kind of a cloud hanging over it right now. Absolutely. Uh, Greg, I've kind of like a two part question here for you. Uh, one sort of segueing into that Josh Allen mold and if he's an MVP candidate. But first, two years ago it was the week before the Bills Chiefs game, the playoff game. And you were on this show talking with me. Do you remember you predicted a 42 36 score between the Bills and the Chiefs. You're like very high scoring game. And you were almost exactly correct with your score prediction. Do you remember that? And the second question, of course, is Josh Allen's MVP type numbers thus far. Um, I, I I do have a tendency to to guess pretty well with numbers. Um that one was was fun. Uh but you know, obviously, I wish I could guess that well all the time. The I, the MVP is what you know, obviously, based in analysis and numbers, but it's very much a narrative award. Like it, it involves storylines and things that people want to root for. And I think some of you know Sam's initial, you know, just the vibes of sometimes it's kind of hard when you've been around and you're not the fun new thing, you have to be like extraordinarily special to get over that hump. So sometimes there's, you know, when it's certain statistical barriers, a quarterback throws for 50 touchdowns, a running back throw runs for 2000 yards, you know, sometimes there's barriers there where it's like, okay, that's pretty special. We got to go with that. Um, I would say, there's a reason that Josh Allen is one of the, you know, betting options that are up there. Cause I think he's going to put up some really good numbers. I think we could rattle off quite a few wins, but I would say 
he probably needs to do a little extra just because he's been around for a while. And I would put it in the same class as Patrick Mahomes. I think that it would be really hard for Mahomes to win back-to-back unless nobody else has a really good season or he has an extraordinarily good season, which right now he's on pace for, I guess, a below-average season by his standards. Still really good for almost everybody else. Um, you may be below sta- uh, standard for his you know, level. It's hard when when you've been around and you're always held to that standard. It doesn't feel as special. So I, I think that he's been playing at an MVP level. You probably could have made an argument a handful of the seasons here that he might have had a statistically worthy uh, MVP season. But you know, ultimately, it'll it'll take the right wins on a game like Sunday night. You know, in in front of everybody, it, it does matter a little bit that the stinker was on Monday night and then he was killer in three straight 1 PM window games, you know, so a lot more people see those primetime games. So if all of a sudden on Sunday night, he goes for three fifty and four touchdowns and has a really cool highlight play, you know, it's, we're, it's humans that vote on that award. And if those humans see that and see the buzz around it, it does have an impact. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, Josh Allen is my quarterback in one of my fantasy leagues and I'm currently right. undefeated in that league right now. So that's right. He's, he's doing what he needs to do right now. <laughs> I, even the end of that London game. I mean, I know they didn't win, but like he looked phenomenal and like yeah. he, he did what he needed to do. Um, it was just an unfortunate turnover that ended that game. But um, I do want to talk about tight ends for a second. Cause Tom knows this. I'm, I love tight ends and Dalton Kincaid was one of my, top guys in this past nice. draft um and obviously they brought him in Dawson Knox is still there how are you feeling like they are complementing each other and and doing with their like both of them on the field right now so I I think that there's a weird kind of perception um, amongst the Bills fan base anyways um there was a lot of buzz in training camp um, myself and, and other guys at cover one went to training camp and saw it and understood the excitement. And then during the season, he's been pretty good. You know, he's on pace for 65 catches, 65 catches would actually be like the fourth most of any tight end in history. Um, but it doesn't feel like he's a central part of it. It's also happening at the same time that Sam Laporta is kind of playing the wide receiver two role in Detroit. So you have these feelings of like, oh, man, I thought we were going to have the guy with all the highlight plays and all the the different things like that. And he's just been a nice part of the offense. So it's hard because it would be one thing if we were scoring like 16 points a game or something like that and struggling. But it's like, yeah, we scored like 37 plus for three straight games. We're averaging over 30 points and that, yeah, it it would be cool if our first round pick was even a bigger part of that, but instead they're kind of spreading it around in almost every game. We have nine different guys catch the ball and it's usually Stefan Diggs, 12 targets and then four, 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 four. And Knox and Kincaid are right there probably third and fourth. Gabe Davis is usually a little bit ahead of them, but they're third and fourth. They play the most snaps. They get the next most targets, but we just we don't need either of them to be 100 catch guys so it hasn't happened yet we also um so my partner over at cover one eric turner he's awesome from a film breakdown standpoint if you guys have a chance to, to look at his work he went through and showed a whole bunch of plays where kincaid was open 
for big plays and Josh just went somewhere else or didn't get to that point in his progression or had already pivoted to the right side of the field. So it's not that Ken Dorsey's not calling plays for him to be open downfield. It's not that he's not getting open. It just hasn't quite clicked yet. There was actually one play where in the press conference after the game, Stefan Diggs apologized for stealing his touchdown because he was open in the end zone. And that's actually where Josh was going. But at the same time, Diggs had broken off his route and jumped up and made a ridiculous catch on a ball that was going to Dalton Kincaid for his first career touchdown. So I actually think there's probably more good coming, but right now it's just been pretty good. That's very fair. We know Stefan Diggs, the catalyst and the receiving game. Gabe Davis, a huge big play threat, as you mentioned. And you have some threats on the defensive side of the ball too, uh, specifically Leonard Floyd, A.J. Epineza, Greg Rousseau, Von Miller coming back. Uh, Greg, how do you expect them to exploit this Giants, I'll be blunt, uh, porous offensive line? So I really would have been excited to see these guys go up against Andrew Thomas because that's such a, a good test to to show how much is taking advantage of situations and how much is like, hey, this is this might hold up in the playoffs and against the top top tier team. So um obviously huge, huge fan of Andrew Thomas and his game. It's a shame it doesn't I, I have no idea. He he could all of a sudden start practicing tomorrow. I know there was reports of a setback so i'm not anticipating that that flips around that fast but either way um the current guys that are being set out there at tackle this is not an ideal matchup right now the bills defensive line is playing the best of any unit on the team um that's including josh allen and stefan diggs they are leading the nfl in sacks with the lowest blitz rate in the nfl that combination is really dangerous if you're struggling at especially on the edges of the offensive line. Um, a lot now, I will say, Daquan Jones was a big piece of that. He was pushing the pocket a ton, uh, and he just unfortunately was lost with a pec injury. Puna Ford will step in for him and is good, but is not at Daquan Jones' level. Ed Oliver leads all defensive tackles in pressures and in sacks. Um, and then you listed off the four guys coming off the edge. And when your rotation is, oh, good, they took Von Miller out of the game, but it's Leonard Floyd coming in, or you have Gregory Rousseau, and like, oh, good, Gregory Rousseau Rousseau needs a breather. And I would say A.J. Epinesa is the kind of relief valve. Well, last week, A.J. Epinesa had like his career game with a strip sack fumble and three knockdown passes and a second sack, and um, they're playing really well. This is not an ideal matchup for, for the guys that I, I know that they've switched around a couple of different spots. And some of the guys they're asking to play tackle that either historically hadn't or haven't in a long time. So it's, it's certainly going to be a challenge and something where I would say most bills fans and analysts would be disappointed if it's not a matchup that significantly favors Buffalo. Yeah. You guys have great depth. I think too, it's just yeah. like you, your, your depth chart is just like off the chain and, that's something that we are not familiar with. We don't know that. Um. <laughs> so weirdly, Bills fans sometimes get frustrated with the rotation. And I always tell them, I'm like, no, no, no. Like in the fourth quarter, when you have eight awesome guys who have all been playing like 50% of the snaps, 
they're way fresher than the offensive linemen who have played every single one. That's when it pays off is in those big moments. But sometimes they want the best guys to play all the time, and it's understandable. Sure, Sure, for sure. And obviously, you know, we were talking about injuries earlier. And, I mean, when I saw Matt Milano getting carted off, like that's, that's a big, big hit to not only the defense but to the team as a whole. Who do you think is going to step up in not only just like in his position, but the whole team, you know, like this is such a huge blow to the team as a whole that I'm, I'm interested to see who you think is going to kind of bring themselves up to his standards. I was hoping you guys could tell me. Um, I, so the three big injuries so far, Trey White, Daquan Jones, Matt Milano. Mm-hmm. Um, cornerback actually was weirdly a spot where we had a lot of depth. Christian Benford and Dane Jackson both started last year. One of them was a backup just because Trey White came back. Now both of them are starting again. It's not as good as Trey White, but it's actually still pretty good. Um, we had so many defensive linemen that Puna Ford was a healthy and active three times just because we had so many guys. So Puna Ford's actually a pretty good one-tech defensive tackle. He's not Daquan Jones, but he's good. He's going to come in, and we're going to be fine. Matt Milano, I got nothing. I like Dor- The answer is Dorian Williams. Dorian Williams is a third-round rookie out of Tulane, um, athletic, runs around with his hair on fire, also – overruns plays with his hair on fire um you know i do think there's potential here he wasn't not that he wasn't prepared but he didn't know he was going to need to play three and a half quarters of that game so i'm very hopeful that they're going to be able to get him ready to be able to come in he actually was over pursuing so much that they sat him down and brought in terrell dodson terrell dodson is a guy who Honest to God, if he was born like 20 years ago, would probably be awesome and would be like one of those three, four inside linebackers. It's awesome against the run. And when you didn't have to used to cover all the time, it would have been fine. But just in today's game, he can't turn and run with those guys. It's just not his game. Honestly, A.J. Klein's the same thing. (laughs) A.J. Klein is great as a third linebacker when the other team is going in base sets, heavy personnel, three tight ends. And it's like, goal line or short yardage and you know that you need somebody to come up and stuff the run Dotson and Klein are the same thing you don't want them isolated in space with anybody at least Dorian Williams has the athleticism to do that I'm just not sure if he's ready for the communication that's the big piece with that secondary you know Taron Johnson's on the other side uh Terrell Bernard has actually been a revelation at middle linebacker that was a spot we were very concerned about losing Tremaine Edmonds Terrell Bernard's actually been amazing so that's been nice but we also don't know how much of that was him looking great because he had Matt Milano next to him. So that's another question that I don't know that we know the answer to. So that's the one I'm the, I'm the most concerned with. Um, I, I'm sad that Trey White and Daquan Jones are out. They're players that I love. The Matt Milano one, I don't think there's an answer to that. I played around. There's obviously some guys you could go after from some struggling teams. You have, you know, uh, Jordan Hicks out there and you have your, you know, Robert Spillane that uh, made some splash plays for the Raiders and some guys on, on teams that aren't going anywhere because you're white out in Arizona that are, you know, last year, their deal veterans on struggling teams, uh, Frankie Louvu out in Carolina. I would prefer that we go get a guy like that and plug them in, in a spot. But the answer very likely is Dorian Williams. Third round draft pick too. He's uh He's definitely a good player that has a lot of promise. Uh, 
quick shout out here to Tudo commenting. Uh, massive salutes. One forty-four a.m. in Italy. Thank you, Tudo. Hope oh, you are doing well. Beautiful. Appreciate it. Um, nice little rugby player fan we got there. Um, Greg, I want to ask you this. You're very familiar with us. We're semi-familiar with you. Um, our head coach and our GM came from your organization, Brian Dable and Joe Shane. Um, so far during this tenure, year one was way above expectations. Um, you know, somebody who was unfamiliar with Dable at the time, I thought, wow, this guy's phenomenal. Wins coach of the year. Awesome. But the team has regressed in year number two, despite more talent being added. Uh, you know, they went out, they, they signed Paris Campbell. That hasn't worked out. They traded for Darren Waller. They can't really get him the ball that much. I know we had six catches last week. Second draft. Um, I thought Joe Shane did not do a great job addressing the offensive line this offseason outside of John Michael Schmitz. And in the 2022 draft, I was not a big fan of Josh Azudu going in round number three. Why do you think that I know it was a little rant there for a second um, out of frustration, but why do you think the Giants have regressed this much and how do you evaluate Dable? So one, I'll give a comparison that I think a lot of people forget. So I think rightfully what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done is looked at as the blueprint of rebuilding a terrible franchise. Um, there are other people who are really good GMs, but they didn't start from scratch. You know, there was Howie Roseman walked into some good talent in Philly and then has done an awesome job. Um, you know, same thing with, with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. McDermott and Bean walked into the longest drought in NFL history of missing the playoffs um, and then broke it down and, and rebuilt it. They made the playoffs in their first year, just like Dable and Shane did. People forget that the Bills went 6-10 and 10 that next year. They missed the playoffs. They took a huge step back. Now, they took a step back while starting a – you know, very raw rookie quarterback prospect. So it does diverge a little bit there in that Dable and Shane making the investment into Daniel Jones versus the Bills made the playoffs their first year. Then a lot of people don't remember. They traded away everyone after that. They traded away, you know, Sammy Watkins and Cordy Glenn and, and you know, multiple other players to build up draft capital. Tyra Taylor was traded away. Um to build up draft capital to then be able to move up in the draft and take Josh Allen. They didn't know it would be Allen at that point, but to be ready to go up and get their quarterback. That's where it diverts a little bit. But now, obviously, that paid off. Their their high investment into the quarterback position has paid off, and now Sean McDermott has the highest winning percentage in franchise history, um, and they're you know coming off their third straight division title, three straight seasons with a playoff win. Uh, only them and Casey are, are doing that. So I would say a second-year regression and step back isn't a death knell, is not some terrible, uh, unrecoverable thing. I know that in some metrics – the Giants, if you look at the percentage of snaps being played, are the youngest team in the NFL. Like the the youth of the players playing, they're the youngest team in the NFL. They have all their draft capital coming up. Um, they've 
in my opinion, maybe short of one spot, have made all the right investments in the big contracts. Uh, I love some of the different guys that they've uh, extend the guys they've chosen to extend, especially in the trenches. Um, I think there's a lot of good things happening. Obviously, the NFL is so tied to success at the quarterback position that that is going to be a factor in, in what that trajectory is. But I would say people forget that there was a lot of regression in that second year in Buffalo as well, and it wasn't a death knell for them either. In, in reality, the first year making the playoffs bought them enough cachet and trust and goodwill that it allowed for a bad second season while going the right direction and building the foundation of what they wanted. So um, that's not hopes and dreams. That's reality that happened in Buffalo. So it doesn't mean it's going to happen just like that in, in New York with the giants, but I think there's precedent that it can. Uh, So there are other things that you probably need to see progression with some of those young guys, getting all the snaps and playing now, but that can happen and still be a very good story in how it comes out. Speaking of the GM and Shane and all these moves that have been made so far, uh, from what you've noticed, what was probably one of the best or your favorite move that Shane has made so far as the Giants GM? Sure. Um, so obviously everybody talked about the choice between Saquon and Daniel Jones this offseason, and that was debated like crazy. And you go back with a quarterback that people weren't 100% sure on versus investing in a running back, even if the running back might be the exception to to the rule of uh, the, the investment in general. So I think that got talked about a lot while actually – the best move that he made was going on in the background, which was extending Dexter Lawrence. Uh, I think he is an absolute monster. I think that position is going to be the most important position going forward in the NFL. More and more teams are figuring out how to get rid of the ball really, really fast. I think obviously edge pressure still is always going to matter. And it's a very important thing, but so much of the successful pass rushes in the NFL are because of pairing it with pressure up the middle. Um, John Lynch famously went to ownership and said, Hey, I know we have Nick Bosa. I need Javon Hargrave because he needs a partner to collapse it from the inside. The bills famously for years would be in all these really good metrics with pass rush win rate and in, you know, pressure rate and in win percentage and all these other stats that were like, no, 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 we're affecting the quarterback. Well, we weren't finishing. We weren't closing it. We weren't getting sacks. And it, there was lots of positive things. The pass defense was good because of it. But this year, they're leading the NFL in sacks because they married it up with pressure up the middle. And Ed Oliver is doing those same things. So, you know, as Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, continues to develop and come into his own, it's going to flourish because of what Dexter Lawrence can do collapsing that from the middle. Um, Obviously Andrew Thomas would be a close second for me. And when I commented on the investment in the trenches, I think, you know, those are two of the most critical positions that you can hit on. They hit on absolute franchise centerpiece players in those spots. And, you know, whether Andrew Thomas continues to, to be the franchise left tackle for Daniel Jones or for maybe the quarterback of the future, having that locked up is critical. So I I think that those are two really, really important spots that they've already hit on. And not only did you hit on them, you retain them long-term. And I think that that's huge. Right. It's just weird for us because we're in year five. And, you know, I say we definitely lean pro Daniel Jones, but at this point we still don't know. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? We still don't know. And, And it's year five and 
Joe Shane kind of, you know, invested in him. I know there's an out after 2024. Um, personally, I like Daniel Jones, but there are times where his mechanics are off. You know, he overthrows. Um, but I feel like a lot of his poor play, minus the Seattle game specifically, has come from the O-line in front of him. I mean, Evan Neal, yeah. I, I mean, I know we're going off script here a little bit, but did you like that Evan Neal pick? Do you, do you still like it? Is he maybe better off at guard? Like, Because I, I believe you did that with Cody Yeah, Yeah, very, very similar. I, I forget. Very similar. Um, so one, I love John Michael Schmitz. Um, he, I, I had two guys that I wanted this year as it was coming to the bills pick. I'm really, really happy. One of them made it to us. Cause you guys snagged John Michael Schmitz right in front of us. And then the bills got Osiris Torrance. So it ended up being fine. Um, but those were both guys very, very high on my list. I think he is a long-term keeper. I got to interview both of them down at the senior bowl, um, and, and watch them up close. Just, you know, JMS is going to be a tactician and a guy that will be trusted in there. So having, so you got the pivot figured out, you got the left tackle figured out. I I don't know that I'm out on Evan Neal. He was, I think Cody Ford is actually a really interesting comp in that you have prodigious size, maybe a little concern on the footwork. You're not sure if it's going to work out on the edge, but you probably have the power and athleticism that he could probably convert inside. Um, you always want to exhaust every opportunity to make sure he can be a tackle, but I actually think he can still be good. So now maybe it's when, uh, you know, Schmitz is healthy and then you get a, a really good or even just a veteran tackle. And then maybe he could be really good in between them or the opposite. Maybe you invest, you know, maybe you invest in a guard and really hit on somebody who can solidify next to him and really help. Um, I think that's a possibility. So I, I wouldn't be out on Evan Neal if I was a Giants fan. I think that there's plenty of reason to think. And, and I'll give an example. Two years ago, Deion Dawkins looked awesome. Last year, Deion Dawkins looked really, really bad. This year, Deion Dawkins looks great. Well, guess what the difference was? Two years ago, he had a really good guard next to him. Last year, Roger Saffold was probably the worst guard in the NFL. This year, Connor McGovern looks great and is a really good guard next to him. You know, some guys, Trent Williams looks awesome against everybody. You know, Tyron Smith looks awesome against everybody. It doesn't matter who lines up next to guys like that. They're amazing. Most guys aren't like that. Most guys need continuity and someone they can trust on uh, twists and stunts and all the moves back and forth. There's nothing wrong with needing that and having a guy next to you to look good. I would say until that line is a little more solidified, I wouldn't be making long-term judgments on anybody. For sure. I think this is one of the last questions we're going to ask before we get into like the more specifics of the game. But obviously, we uh, have a lot of Buffalo Bills or former Buffalo Bills on our team, not only in the staff, but on the field. Who would you say is your favorite former Bill that's on the Giants right now? So it's a, it's a trick question. Um, yeah. So there's a handful of different guys. You know, Tyra Taylor was the quarterback when we broke the drought 17 years. I will always be appreciative of that. I will always 
love uh, a lot of other people get credit for that, but he was a huge, huge part of that. You know, it, it was a LaShawn McCoy engined offense with a really good defense, but he was there and not making mistakes and being the, the smart, intelligent quarterback we needed to be able to break the drought. I'll always be appreciative of that. Um, there's a lot of other guys that we rooted for and did a lot of work on, you know, the Boogie Basham and Nick McLeod and, and Isaiah Hodgins and, and different people. But the big one for me is technically not on your roster. He's on your practice squad, uh, and that's Cole Beasley. Uh, I love Cole Beasley. He was such a an underrated game changer for Josh Allen in that what he allowed Allen to to learn the nuance of having that that release valve and that it's okay to move the chains and check it down. And, you know, we called it third and Beasley for a reason. Like he just was constantly open and could run those option routes and just would have that, like everybody would see. And he'd, he'd take a step and kind of do that weird, like floating hesitation. And we didn't know which direction he was going to go. And the cornerback didn't know which direction he was going to go. And he would plant his foot and go and he'd be wide open and Josh would rifle it to him. And we'd have a new fresh set of downs. Um, so I having a guy like that was such a difference maker for the Bills uh, and Josh Allen specifically, and honestly, is why they went and got Dalton Kincaid, was wanting that piece of the offense back. Um, so I will always love Cole Beasley for that and, and everything that he brought to the offense and Josh Allen specifically. I'm so happy you said that because I don't know if you heard the beginning of our show, but I was just praising this man so much. Like I need to see him on Sunday Night Football this weekend yeah. because – as you said, he was a huge game changer for Josh Allen. I feel like he is like he's that guy that runs up the side and cuts in the middle and will take that hit to get that fresh yeah. set of downs. And that's what we need on the Giants offense. And I just I when we signed him in the offseason, I mean, I was I texted Tom and I was like, this is great. This is perfect. And like, so I, I want to see him. He's there couldn't be a better guy for a Wandale Robinson to learn from, like just watch what this guy does and how he was able to move. And, you know, and I will say it's easier said than done. Cause we thought Isaiah McKenzie was going to do that the entire time. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, I guess Cole Beasley was just pretty special. Not everybody can do that. Um, but I, I think he could absolutely still bring something to Daniel Jones and to that offense. And that uh, I won't be shocked if he converts a couple of third downs Sunday night. And it could be Tyrod Taylor throwing to him. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I know Dable. Dable's usually not brutally honest when it comes to the injury thing, which is part of his strategy, of course, as a coach. Sure. So, you know, you don't want to roll guys out four or five days in advance, whatever it may be. But, yeah, those former Giants, uh, former Bills on the Giants, you mentioned Boogie, that that trade late in the offseason, Pinnock, the pick six this past yeah. weekend. Um Jamie Gillen, who I'm very indifferent about. All kinds of different pieces. Uh, Tommy Sweeney. Tommy Sweeney. Yeah, Tommy Sweeney, Matt Breida. Yeah, all kinds of different pieces all over. Matt Breida. Love that. Um, Greg, let's get into your keys to the game here. Obviously, you know, this game, Bills are heavily favored, as they should be. Um, What does Buffalo have to do? to win from the Bills' point of view? Because obviously the Giants, despite their lackluster play, there still are a couple of challenges they present, like a Dexter Lawrence, like a Kayvon Thibodeau. So what does Buffalo need to do in order to beat Big Blue? So obviously I I think the Bills have shown so far this year, when the Bills play well, 
they can and will beat anybody. You know, coming off a 70-point victory, the Bills stomp the Dolphins 48-20. to 20. When they're playing well, I think uh, in the AFC, I think the Bills' A game is better than anybody else's A game. Um, the San Francisco 49ers might be in their own class. I, I won't. I won't worry about that one just yet. When the Bills play their A game, I think they can beat everyone. I think they can beat every other team's A game. I, I think that they have that much going in the right direction. When they don't, they can lose to anybody. <laughs> they they can find creative ways to to mess up just about anything. And the fourth quarter of that Jets game the opening week is a pretty good example like they had that put away they had everything there and it took a combination of tying three and four different mistakes together to give another team a chance um so if I'm a a Giants fan that's what I'm looking for is that you know Josh Allen looks off from the beginning he's not you know connecting they miss on a couple deep shots to Gabe Davis there's you know some weird disconnection with Stefan Diggs and that Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau are, are getting home, getting Josh off the spot, and he's having to scramble and run for his life. That's the the story that you're going to tell yourself. On offense, it's probably that Saquon's back healthy and that the Bills' continued um, run defense becomes an issue because they're not pulling away on offense. The other way around, if the Bills are doing what they've done most of the season, which is the ability to matriculate the ball down the field and just continually put together 10, 11, 12, 13 play drives where they keep converting third downs and they keep moving down the field and they're just in scoring position over and over and over again. And eventually you get into the second half and it's, oh, they're up by two scores and the other team has to pass now and we just let our you know cadre of eight different pass rushers pin their ears back and we wish you all the best <laughs> just I, you know good luck i hope it goes well for you um that's that's what it's going to take so the giants need to be hanging on early they need to keep it a neutral or positive game script early on if the bills make it a positive game script for them and they get a little bit of a lead it could snowball and get ugly if the giants hold on they're able to continue to run the ball they're able to keep move josh off the spot They'll probably need a couple of things to bounce their way. That you know, obviously, this point spread is what it is for a reason. Um, they'll need a couple of things to go their way, but Josh Allen has done that. He's he's helped teams have a couple of things bounce their way when he starts to press and get anxious and try to put the team on his back and try to win the game by himself every throw. Um, so, I, you know, obviously, I, I'm hopeful that that's not what I see on Sunday night. Um, <laughs> but I, if I'm a Giants fan. Uh, We've seen teams that the Bills should put away find a way to win, and and it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen that if they do that on Sunday night. Sam, how about you here on on this one for the Bills and the Giants specifically? I mean, the Giants there's like three hundred, right? Because you got to do like three hundred things right to win. Yeah, what are you thinking? I feel like I mean Greg said it best, and that's what I was thinking about was like if the Giants get out in front, that's like a big deal for us. It's like we're always behind and it's always playing catch up in every single game. And like last week was the first time we had uh, points on the board, at least a touchdown 
on in the first like, half of the game. When, when Pinnock took that play back and all of a sudden the score was there, I was like, oh my God, if they find a way to get Miami to stumble into this, I was really excited there for a minute. Trust me, I think we all were. We all were feeling it for a little bit, but I, I think that that's like one of the biggest things. I mean, obviously, I can't even say protect Daniel Jones because like, Nobody is like, it's just, it's just not going to happen, um, which is unfortunate, but like, we have to just work with what we have right now. And it's like, that's just what we got to do. So it's like quick releases, uh, nickel and dime them down the field, you know, utilize the fact that it is a bit of a vulnerable defense. And I mean, that's really all the giants can do right now, but I am, um, I'm a little nervous going into this game, but also I just love to watch Josh Allen play. So it's, it's hopefully at least a good entertaining game as opposed to Monday night against Seattle, which was a snooze fest. Yeah. I would say Josh Allen's a lot more exciting than Geno Smith. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I'm excited. Uh, um, I, I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Um, obviously I think it's probably not awesome timing for the giants that the bills like need a get right game and are super hyper focused on bouncing back. That's, probably not awesome timing for, for the giants. Um, Cause the, the bills do have a very good track record of their record after losses is, is exceptional. Um, they do not string together losses under Sean McDermott. Um, so that, that would be something new, but um, you know, obviously I think there's an opportunity. It's, it was a run defense that was already struggling with Daquan Jones and Matt Milano losing those two. Um, that would be an area. And obviously Everybody saw, you know, Saquon starting back at practice today. So if that is a trend and you get, you know, such an elite talent like him back, all things are on the table. Right. I I agree 100%. For me, it's a few things, Greg and Sam. First off, um, limit those explosive plays. And we talked about it last week. 76-yard uh, touchdown run given up. Tyreek Hill carved up the defense. And last week, specifically for the Bills against the Jaguars, Josh Allen had five throws of 40-plus yards. So you're looking at receivers like Gabe Davis, who cooks defenses for big plays. We know how good he is. He's got a touchdown in four straight games and I believe uh, had over 100 yards last week. Stephon Diggs, another player who's a first-down machine, um, 100-plus yards in four of his last five games. So he'll likely – he might draw Deontay Banks – um, I, I'm not sure if they're going to throw Banks or Adoree because Adoree's been playing a lot of slot this season. Okay. Um, so it should be interesting to see who gets who. And specifically for the Giants, I'm not going to say win the turnover battle, even though I should, because last week the Giants won the turnover battle 3 nothing against the Dolphins and still lost. Um, but I think stopping the run is huge too. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about James Cook much mm. yet, right? So – this is where it starts to get interesting a little bit because the Bills are 49%, I believe the number is, on third down for the season. They need to do better at stopping the run on first and second down specifically. I know James Cook just had four carries last week for 14 yards. I know that game was in London. I was still waking up on a Sunday morning. Um, but however, Josh Allen's capable of taking off too. So I, I think stopping the run is is key limiting those explosive plays, containing Stefan Diggs, doing it all. <laughs> so I will say, 
uh, for any team. Like I said, when the Bills are playing their A game, I, I don't know that anybody you know out there right now is going to stop them. Right. Uh, that first down is that play. If the Bills are gaining yards, you know, and it's four, five, six, seven yards on first down, or, or sometimes even converting the first on first down, they are impossible to stop because then they get you caught into, you know, not sure what's coming. They start running their play action when Josh is running play action and the defense, the safeties and the linebackers aren't sure. Stefan Diggs kills them and it's just easy, easy pick in. And that's when they hit the deep shots to Gabe Davis. When you get stops on first down, it makes me have to make penance like this. <laughs> um, Look at that. So when, that. when they struggle on first down, but they're continued in their yeah. investment and commitment to James Cook and they're handing the ball off on second and 10, it makes me want to, pull my hair out and scream um so a lot is decided on success rates on first down and it's you know it's unfortunate the bills just depend on the fact that yeah we got josh Allen and stefan Diggs. they'll convert on third and nine anyways and they do they do at a rate like higher than any other team and it makes me mad because then they never learn their lesson because josh and Diggs just make it okay um and it just makes me crazy that like you don't have to make them convert third and 12 like you don't have to do that you can you can third and four is really nice it's great um so if they're converting and getting not chunk yards but just positive gains on first down and the bills start getting the giants into second and five second and six they're done it's just it's that offense is so dangerous in that position where they know we can go play action and take a shot. Cause if we get to third and five or six, we feel pretty good and we're going to be able to convert. So when they get just a little bit of yardage on first down, it opens up the playbook like crazy on second down. And that's when they're just gashing teams. Um, and then all of a sudden they hit a 25 yarder and then they go right back to it and they get another six yards on first down and it's second and four and they take a shot to the end zone. And if they don't get it, it's okay. They come right back and they convert to Stefan Diggs. And it's that kind of functionality where if Dexter Lawrence is making plays and all of a sudden it's a it's a no gain or a tackle for loss on first down, you get them to second and 11. Now you can get them behind the chains. You can get them out of rhythm and you can really have a good shot. Sam, I think that leads us to our players to watch. I think there, there's a couple players we haven't really highlighted yet, a couple key players that I think are important to um, kind of go about here. Um, kinda, I know Greg pointed out Ed Oliver, Ed Oliver before, which is a guy that I think could have a monster game. But, Sam, who are you looking at here as a player um, to watch for each side? Um, well, we did talk about him earlier, but I do have a prediction that this is the game Dalton Kincaid gets his first touchdown in, um, mostly because of the fact that the Giants like forget tight ends exist and they just like completely just leave them out in the open. Um, I have a feeling that he's going to be a little bit more dominant in this game, show up a little bit more. Um, we'll even throw in um, like Ed Oliver, like you were saying, because it's just going to be he's just going to be taking Danny down all the time. It's just going to keep happening. Um, so the defense in general is just going to be just, just crashing through that offensive line. If you want to call it that, it's like a picket fence really that you could just smash with your boot. 
But I um, saw a really rough stat that I think so far through five games, the Giants defensive line has eight tackles for a loss. Yeah. And Ed, Ed, Ed Oliver has nine tackles for a loss. And <laughs> 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 hey, granted, Ed's having an awesome season and yeah. Ed has had a couple like monster performances. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, it's going to be a little rough, but I'm going to say Don Kincaid gets his first NFL touchdown in this game. Love it. Love, no, love it. Greg, uh, quickly here, player for each team. And then if you can give us a score prediction and then plug uh, your show happening later tonight with Nick Filato. Sure. Sure. Um, so I will say, it's it, I'll do a combo on, on the giants. It's gotta be both Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau having big games, both finishing, getting to Josh Allen, getting him off the spot. If those two are pairing together and having big time performances, I think everything's on the table for the giants. And, and that makes things possible um, on the bill side. It, you know, it, it always comes down to Josh Allen. If Josh Allen's playing well, you know, nobody has a chance. If Josh Allen's having one of his days, everybody's got a chance. Um, so we'll see where that one goes. I, I think that that's, you know, um, in the position that it is. I mentioned earlier, it's not awesome timing for the Giants in that the Bills do not have a track record of dropping multiple games in a row. They do very much have a, a history of bouncing back pretty emphatically when they have an embarrassing or a rough loss. Um, I, I think that this point spread is what it is for a reason. Again, if everybody's healthy and we're talking about a healthy Daniel Jones with Andrew Thomas and, you know, John Michael Schmitz in front of him and a healthy Saquon Barkley, this is a lot different discussion. And I think there's a lot more excitement about all the, you know, so many former bills and Dable and Shane and, and the other position coaches coming back to Buffalo. Um, now in the position that they're in, I, I'll be really disappointed if the bills don't, it doesn't need to be, 48 to 10 it doesn't need to be some crazy you know blowing the doors off but i do think that it it should be a game where it's 37 17 34 to 20 it should be a, a two touchdown win they should be able to pull away as the game goes um and that they should be able to be in a spot where with what this bills defensive line has been the Giants should not be able to put together multiple scoring drives. I expect a big play here or there. I expect them to pop a run because everybody's popped a long run against us all season long, literally every game. Even the games that we've won by blowouts, the other team has had somebody pop a long run against us because it's just what happens apparently. Um, so I expect that to happen. I expect a, a decent driver to um, maybe they, they get a turnover and it goes right. So um, that's kind of where my head is at. I, I think I've got it something like 34-17. Okay. Um, Sam, quickly here, score prediction. Um, I had something similar to that, and then I kind of thought about it a little bit, and I gave the Bills a little bit more credit. Um, and the line is 14 and a half, so I just like it's going to be more than a two-touchdown game. So my my final score prediction here is going to be 41-21. Okay. And I'm going 34-20, by the way. Nice. And those will be entertaining, fun games. I, I do think that it's going to be fun. And and like I said, for, for the Giants fans listening, you know, remember that second year in Buffalo with that regime, they took several steps back, but they still added some of the right pieces. They evaluated, they let some of their young talent play and learn through some of those situations where they were, 
you know, struggling and having to really figure it out. That was, you know, Deion Dawkins was was there and young and and just playing. Matt Milano had just become a first year starter. Um, Trey White was just getting his legs underneath him. It was Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer's, you know, second year together. There was a lot of things just forming, and that that's what's turned into that six year run that they've had now. Um, so I think that there's still plenty of positives coming. Greg, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. Follow Greg at Cover One. He'll be live uh, shortly with Nick Filato from Big Blue Banter. Uh, great statistician, good with film breakdowns as well. Uh, I'll make sure to check it out for a little bit to watch you guys chop it up. So appreciate you as always and for your time. And best of luck this Sunday. Not too much, but we do support you guys when you're, when you're not Absolutely. playing us. Have same same exact thing. Wishing you guys all the best. Appreciate you having me on again. It's always fun talking with you. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate Thank it, you, Greg. Take care. All right. All right. That was Greg Tomset from Cover One. Busy guy. Um, awesome guest. Sam, how are you feeling? I, I know we all picked Buffalo, but it seems like Greg has a little bit of confidence in the Giants moving forward. Uh, despite the struggles this year, you know, I actually forgot that, that the bills went six and 10 in the second year of their regime. So it could be a similar thing for the giants this season. He's, he's usually not far off on his predictions, which is why I brought him on. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean, it gives me a little bit of hope, you know, it gives me that little bit of confidence that this team will always be bad forever. You know, eventually we'll be a super bowl winning team again. It's not going to be this year, but you know, who knows? We'll see as it as it unfolds. But I'm uh I'm I just want it to be a good game. I really just you know these are two of my favorite teams in the NFL. I just really want to see them hash it out and and yeah. a good game. A uh, couple comments here. Um, no, not similar. Their O line is terrible. Thank you, John, for the comment. It is. We appreciate that. Um, Tudo says big boss. Tommy, great live show and interview. Thank you, Tudo. Um, it's a team effort as always. Um, Sam, I think one other thing too, um, I wanted to mention quickly our injury report because it's bad. It's really bad. Do we have the time to read it? It's like chapters long. <sighs> I think Dan Duggan said something earlier how he couldn't get it all in one tweet. So he had to pay extra to get it all in one tweet or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's long. Yeah. You want to read it? Because I don't know if I have the patience to. All right. Let's throw, break it down here. On spot. <laughs> Sam's got the paper out. We got Andrew Thomas, hamstring, did not participate. John Michael Schmidt, soldier, soul, shoulder, did not participate. Quarterback uh, Daniel Jones his neck he did not participate today he's day-to-day uh Micah McFadden did not participate Darren Waller did not participate Aziz El-Jalari did not participate Matt Burt did not participate Wondell Robinson did not participate uh limited practice guys we got Saquon Lemieux McKeithen Deontay Banks Gary Brightwell and Cordell Flott so and the Bills was only a couple of guys here and they're all they only had one do not participate we have one two three four five six seven 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 Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, one final player I want to point out is Micah Hyde. Guy's oh. been a stud for a while. I know he really will be. Player. Really good player. Um, and even though no Tredavious White, no Matt Milano, I, I think the Bills' defense is going to eat a lot. 
against us. But um, I think that's going to do it for tonight, Sam, and folks watching. Appreciate you watching. Sam, any final thoughts before we sign off to the crowd? Well, just again, just I just want a good game. Two two teams that it could uh, you know they had the the right mindset making the schedule, but unfortunately, let's just hope it's not a repeat of Monday night or Sunday night. Absolutely, appreciate um, you coming on as always, helping out with all the graphics and whatnot and everything that you do, and all the folks watching appreciate your comments, even some I don't agree with. John Suggs, uh, I do think we get more than three wins this season. Um, that is a, a little bit harsh right there, but we do appreciate your comment as always. Um, on behalf of Sam Cardona, I'm Tom Scavetta. Make sure to check us out in all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. Let's go Giants. It might not be pretty, but got to stay confident, got to stay poised, got to stay calm. There's better days ahead. And without further ado, let's go Big Blue.